Your style is unorthodox. But effective. It is not the art, but the combat that you enjoy. Man, you come right out of a comic book. You are now listening to Black Comics Chat. Black 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 Comics Chat. We are live on Black Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat. We are live on Black Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat. Hi, this is Anthony Rutgazer. I'm the writer of The First Hero and Heroes of Homeroom C, and you are listening to Black Comics Chat. Hi, this is Regine Al Sawyer, owner, writer, creator of Lock It Down Productions, and the coordinator and founder of the Women in Comics Collective International. You are now listening to Black Comics Chat. One, two, one, two. Hello, what's going on, everybody? What is happening? What's cracking? What's popping? This is Marcus Kwame, and we are back for another very special episode of Black Comics Chat. Um, again, not a different world uh, sitcom, very special episode, just a very special episode, you know. But um, So this is not the drug episode? Yeah, not the drug episode, <laughs> not, Dwayne, not Dwayne Wayne's uh, car being defaced by Dean Cain. You know, yeah, not, oh not, my not God. <laughs> That's a deep cut, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, we're, we're very happy to be here. We have two very special guests. Um, and, we're, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to speak about the subjects. Uh, we were just talking about some of them in the green room. But, um, you know, without further ado, I'm going to get to, first of all, the regular Black Comics Chat crew. Um, first of all, we have coming from the Blue Check Republic, the undercover Sith Lord himself. We got Tony. What's going on, Tony? What's up? I still can't believe you still use that moniker. <laughs> but I mean, Twitter doesn't give out blue checks anymore, so it makes me feel yeah. more uh, you're, you're You're elite, yes. <laughs> Stop. They should be giving you a blue check with all the work you've been doing, by the way. Just, just saying. I'm, yeah. I'm all right, man. I'm, all right. I like, I like to go on the radar. You know, I, I like to be able to walk around the mm. supermarket undisturbed. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Understood. Understood. Yeah, but uh, okay. Um, and Leo is here. Uh, maybe I'll give him a more proper introduction when he when he gets back. But he's off for a moment, so I'm going to go to our very special guests. Um, first up, we have uh, returning to the show. You know, a, a many time uh, very special guest, Black Comics Chat. Um, you hopefully you've had a chance to read uh, her book, uh, Black Women in Sequence. Uh, if you haven't, definitely check it out, and you'll you'll hear a little bit more about it tonight. Um, but we have uh, Professor Deborah Elizabeth Whaley returning to the show. How are you, Deborah? I'm great. Uh, happy to be here. Looking yeah. forward to it. Cool, cool. Well, we're definitely happy to have you and your insights back on the show. And uh, first time to the show, we have uh, a man with a, a really cool project um, that I can't wait to speak about and that I think people will, will definitely find really interesting. Um, editor, you know, and if you happen to be watching live on Zoom, you will see his, his really dope Friday Foster swag, his T-shirt. Um, but we are here to speak to uh, Chris Marlin, Christopher Marlin, about uh, his work editing the exciting new Friday Foster uh, collection. So how are you today, Chris? 
I'm doing fine, Marcus. Uh, nice to meet you as well, Tony. And, and I appreciate you guys inviting me to a Black Comics chat for the first time. Thank you very much. We are happy to have you. But before we begin, let me introduce you, Marcus. I mean, you never introduce oh. yourself, like ever. He'll just go right okay. into it. He'll never say, my name is Marcus Anderson. I'm yes. dope. I'm this artist. So um, from the frozen tundra of New York, I would like to introduce the, uh, have you won any, wait a minute, I'm sorry, Ta uh, New York Times bestselling artist, Marcus. I don't, I don't I, the, but yeah, we're, we, we've sold but, a bit though. But we, you, sold uh, a, you sold a bit. You were on the yeah. bestseller list. Yeah, well, you know, I don't, I don't know. If and humble as always. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Yes, yes. The artist of the Black Panther Party of Graphic I'm going to call you a New York Times bestselling artist. Okay, Sorry. Well, thank you. That's just what's going to happen. Thank you. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. We got to lift each other up. Yes, 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 we do. Yes. Um. Yeah. So, all right. So that's our introduction. So uh, let's go. We'll go to our, our guests for introductions. Um, and uh, I will... Uh, start we'll we'll start with origin stories you know so if you, if you have heard the show we like to start out with origin stories so um chris i'll go to you first um can you tell us about you know just the the, the origin story that got you here maybe you know how you got int first were introduced to comics or editing or just what you do um and and then the second part to the question is tell us about your first experience with the character of friday foster okay uh, well thank you for that uh, introduction to comics, uh, and I've listened to you a couple of your interviews, Deborah. And uh, like most ch uh, children, I got introduced uh, to comic books as a child. Um, I think I was around 10 years old, and I was at a summer camp, and a kid gave me like a really raggedy, beat-up copy of the New Teen Titans. Uh, and I obviously I knew what the comics were. He was reading, and he just gave it to me, and I, you know, I started reading it, fell in love. So the New Teen Titans, you know, from uh, Wolfman and Perez was my first yeah, comic yeah. book. And um, I ended up actually collecting maybe like the first 60 issues of it, wow. um, which I still have today. Uh, so that was my initial introduction to comics. Kind of fast forward, uh, and I collected a few things. I went through my collecting stages as a, you know, as, as an adolescent. Uh, went from comics to music, you know, got into movies. But um, fast forward to today, um, I've been in LA about 20 years actually this year, and I started getting back into collecting comics as an adult uh, after I moved to Los Angeles. And um, so, and I say I'm kind of I'm kind of a spotty collector. I'm not hard hardcore. There's a title I like, you know, I may you know get a few issues of. Um, so that's kind of my you know history in terms of comic collecting. Um, and I have you know a couple of boxes here, you know, over in the corner right now. And the beauty of today is that, as we all know, there are a lot more black characters and creators in comics than there have ever been before. Um, so, and typically when I'm collecting comics, uh, it's usually you know I kind of have three criteria. I don't do too much superhero stuff, uh, but typically, you know, I want a black lead. Uh, I like murder mysteries, and I like miniseries because I don't. I ain't trying to read forever and ever and ever. So it needs to be like, you know, hey, six to eight issues, boom, and I'm out. Mm. So those are typically the type of comic books that I collect today. That's cool. Um, oh yeah, go ahead. So yeah, yeah, no, I'm really enjoying, it, really enjoying it. Um, I, actually, so I got a, a short stack I need to catch up on right now. Um, but uh, in terms of Friday Foster. I kind of give, try to give you guys the Cliff Notes version. Um, so about five or six years ago, I started getting uh, going, getting into um, black exploitation movies. You know, I, I fancy myself a, fin a filmmaker like most folks out here in LA, right? So, um, you know, as we probably all know, the black exploitation era started actually around the time I was being born. So obviously, I couldn't watch it back in the seventies. Um, and I've known about these movies forever. Um, so I thought, you know what? You know, I'm a film guy. Let me start watching some of these movies, right? So, you know, I get on my kick. I'm watching black exploitation films. 
and I stumble across, you know, we all know about Pam Greer's the queen. Mm -hmm. I stumble across Friday Foster, which I, I didn't know. I didn't know about, you know, obviously we know about the bigger ones, you know, Foxy Brown, Coffee, Coffee Sheila yeah. Baby. Uh, so I stumble across Friday Foster and I noticed tonally, it's a lot different from the other black exploitation movies. There's a little bit of comedy, a little bit of levity, which you don't typically see in black exploitation. So, you know, I'm digging it was an interesting story. Uh, you know, a little bit different in terms of narrative. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the Friday Foster movie, but the, the storyline is a bit different. You know, most black quotation movies are getting back at the man, you know what I mean? Or holding brothers down. This one is slightly different. Uh, so I was like, wow, this is a little different movie. So I started reading about it, discovered it's based on a comic strip, newspaper comic strip. I'm like, wow, I didn't, I didn't even know about this thing. So I started reading about the comic strip, fell in love with the artwork, you know, some very interesting storylines. So I was like, wow, you know what, man? I'm gonna see if I can, and I just read all this online, right? I was like, I wanna see if these things still exist. Can I find them? Because I, you know, from my research, I knew they were like, you know, created back in 1970. So I'm like, wow, is this stuff, can I find it? Started digging, go on eBay, Amazon, wherever. I stumbled across a dude, all he sells is comic strips, not comic books, comic strips. Uh, and as it turns out, and he's in like, in like, uh, gosh, one of those Northeastern states, like, what's the most Northern states in Maine? <laughs> Northeast probably States. something like that. Yeah, he yeah, like kick it up by Canada. I'm like, what do people do up there? But anyway, so all he sells is comic strip. I hit him up, and he has a lot of Friday Foster, literally a lot. And when I say a lot, I mean he had like a consecutive lot LOT. Wow. So I was like, hey man, I think I want to start collecting the strip. You know, I want to buy your whole lot. And he had maybe like, oh, uh, maybe like I don't know, maybe about six months worth. And these are strictly the Sunday color strips, and that's what I started collecting. So I made a deal with him. I was like, dude, because he was selling them piecemeal. I was like, I'll buy the whole lot, but you know, we're going to finance this, but I want them all. So he makes a deal, and that's how I started collecting Friday Foster. And from there, I was hooked. And I'm like, you know what? I wonder. I want to see if I can get as many of these Sunday color strips as possible. So I'm just looking everywhere, buying as much as I can. As I start to collect them, I'm like, you know what? Has, has this strip ever been collected in book form, you know, a la the Boondocks, Charlie Brown? Did a little digging, found out it had not. I was like, you know what, Chris? Let's see if we can do this. I'm going to try to make a promise to myself to at least try to see if I can get a book of Friday Foster done. So I continue to collect the strips. Uh, I know that the Chicago Tribune was a syndicator back in the day. You know, it took me a couple of calls, found out, you know, found the point guy at the Tribune. I'm like, hey, uh, you don't know me, but I'm a filmmaker in L.A. I love Friday Foster. I would love to see if I can get this thing done into a book. Again, short version is originally the guy told me no. Not a lot of explanation. And again, I talk about all this in the book. He's like, not a lot of explanation. Like, no, sorry, we can't do it right now. I'm like, dude, are you serious? He's like, sorry. And it was like a 30-second conversation. I was like, damn. So I go back, start, you know, just continue collecting my strips. I come across a guy just in my in my travels of collecting, and he's like, oh, wow, that's interesting that you're trying to get all these strips. There's a bunch of dudes over in Spain who are doing the exact same thing, and they're going to do a book. And I'm like, what? What do you mean they're doing a book? And this is a couple of months after I talked to the guy at the Tribune. And he's like, yeah, they're doing a book. Incidentally, I had come across those guys in Spain in my collecting travels, you know, my online collecting travels, just talking to everybody. So I go back to the dude at the Tribune, and this was maybe like about six months after our initial call. I'm like, hey, man, uh, what happened? I heard my, uh, you know, my cohorts over in Spain are doing a book, and I knew they had to call, call, contact him to uh, get the rights because I gave them his phone number. No, they couldn't even find him. So, uh, and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, the rights are available now. Um, but you got to go find a publisher. I was like, cool, I'll call you back when I find a publisher. So I go to my local comic book store, start writing down a bunch of the publishers of all, you know, the, the hard, you know, the hardcover books, the paperback books about comic books. Early in my travels, I stumble across this guy. He's like, hey, man, I love the idea, but I know my employer won't do it. But I'm actually about to leave and start my own uh, publishing house, my own imprint. And I like the idea and I want to talk to you about it. I was like, cool. 
fast forward a couple of months, I get the guy with his new company on. Uh, thank you, Rich Young from Ablaze Publishing. I get him on with Chicago Tribune, and we submit the deal. So that's kind of the long answer to a short question. I apologize. Okay, cool. Well, we're definitely gonna get more into the the book and the whole the whole process of of how it came to be. But but that's 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 good. Um, okay, so Deborah, yeah, like I know you've um, definitely given your origin story here before. We talked about about remixing it, the question a little bit, but can you, uh, you know, just just yeah. give, give us the, the remix? Yeah, absolutely. Hit, hit him with that I, remix. Yeah. It, Sorry, it, 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 okay. I have all of Friday Foster, so I could just give him that to uh, uh, Christopher. <laughs> that is hilarious. I have uh. them all. I would have just given them away. And I've read every single one, and I've also digitally analyzed them and compared them to other texts. I hmm. get into that later, but um, yeah. So uh, you know, as, as Christopher was saying, he's heard some of my bios before, uh, and you know, like him, and like a lot of us, got into comics at a young age. Um, but not just reading comics, drawing comics. And that's how I got into drawing, by trying to copy comic book characters um, and also comic strip characters. Uh, and I ended up, when I was really young, creating this um, comic strip character. And uh, I would just, you know, do, do my own comics and create these stories. But I also like to talk about being introduced to the world, right? So there's the, the print and the drawing and the, the comics and the newspapers, um, but also just really loving watching uh, comic book characters on screen as well. Um, you know, I remember some magical moments of, uh, or one magical moment in particular, of my mom and her best friend taking me to go see Superman when I was a kid. I don't even know how old I was, but I was really, really young. And it was just magical. And not because the film itself was that great. The one was Richard Pryor. Right. But just... Oh, I remember. Right. I, saw, I saw that on the big screen too, yeah. Right, 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 right. But um, just the hugeness and the epicness of it. And then you have, you know, Richard prior on screen doing what he does, but just sharing this moment with my mom, um, especially when I was young, we didn't go to the movies a lot together. So when we did, it was special. So, uh, and, you know, just contemporarily, uh, I still, you know, read comics and graphic novels and uh, I'm, I still love the Marvel films. And, and we can talk about this later. Um, you know, I've, I've been writing about uh, outside of Black women in sequence, I'm still writing about comics and I've been writing about Black women, DC characters on television. So uh, just the, the whole world and, uh, you know, anime manga <laughs> gaming <laughs> virtual worlds we could just get into the whole sequential art world but uh that's and I, I guess i should talk about how i got into friday foster as well so yeah you know for uh my last book um not my last book but the book before because I, I just came out with a book uh keywords for comic studies but the book before that black women in sequence which is about uh black women in comics graphic novels and anime i wanted to feature a lot of the characters who were black women that were notable and friday foster was one of those characters and so i got every single friday foster comic strip uh and i read them 
but the book was getting larger and larger and there's just some characters who I could not focus a whole lot on and people ask me all the all the time Friday Foster is on the cover of your book but you only have a few sentences about Friday Foster in the book why is that um because the book had to get done and some of the stuff I wanted to do with Friday Foster I knew was going to take more time and then I would do it in article form so I actually wrote an article about a Friday Foster comparing it to my uh favorite film in the whole wide world love jones <laughs> and uh, which surprises some people because two totally different mediums but uh so so that's how i continued on with with her as a, a character and um I, I there's a fun story about the book cover but i think i i've gone over on another episode so but <laughs> we have time later i can repeat it i think we can we can definitely repeat it because it's it's you know it's, it's been longer. Okay, I, well, honestly I, I don't i don't know if i remember okay. the, uh, the answer okay, well, and I'll, I'll make it quick i that almost did not appear on the cover i wanted it on the cover i wanted that specific picture and we had a lot of discussion about well you know the p particular image that i use on the cover of book she's in the kitchen and right you know, do we want the first book about Black women comic book characters to be this particular image? And I really fought for it because I felt it had a lot of um, contradictory symbols that I found interesting. Just the glamour, oh, she's in the kitchen, whatever. Um, it's not like a kind of mammy portrayal, right? She's glamorous. She's looking over her shoulder. She has this really kind of a kind of cheeky expression. And I just thought it was uh, amazing. And, uh, but it, it took a while. Like I had to write um, a couple really long letters <laughs> just explaining it, you know, uh, why I felt it was so important. And I actually ended up doing an article with the uh, the artist at the press that included our back and forth about, because also someone who's an artist, you know, I I have written into my book contracts that I have control over the covers of the books. And so I went back and forth with the artist a lot about just shading everything, where things go. And it was it was such a battle in a lot of different ways. So we're like, okay, we need to take all these emails and and the letters and everything and um, make it a dialogue. And the book won an award for the cover. That's <laughs> so that's why I also like to tell that's the story amazing. too, because yeah. you know, it almost didn't happen. And I think the dialogue that I had back and forth with um, the artist at the press and us deciding to publish that, I think was also something good, I think, for authors to read and to just sort of think about their interaction with the university or presses just overall and everything that goes into it and just thinking through the, uh, the illustrative aspects uh, of it. So yeah, so it, the book won an award, not for the cover, um, but also for the, um, uh, the uh, illustration, the design of the book overall. So oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. It, it is a great design. Um, yeah, it's funny. Like I step in here right when like Deborah's telling the story that like I do remember from her last. <laughs> yeah, her 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 glance is very. It's not Mona Lisa smile, but it's like it has that. There's a lot in there. It's like a loaded there is. special. There is, yeah. Like, yeah, like she's up to some shit. She's <laughs> she's sort of approving. I, maybe I like, feel. I, I feel for Chris too because I had to deal with the Chicago Tribune <laughs> to all, on the other side of that to get the permission to use it, and then the money aspect that got involved. <laughs> and so, mm. um, I I know what you're talking about. I won't say more. Yeah, 
I will say, I'll, I'll say in, in fairness, we actually had a relatively easy uh, going with them. I will say that. They only, the crazy part was that I left out was like, yeah, you can do the book, but guess what? We don't have the strips or we're not going to supply them. You got to go get them. That was the kicker. But thank God I've been collecting them, you know, for, you know, a couple of years prior. So, you know, that was a saving grace. Um, I'll say real quick sidebar, Deborah, you probably know this too, that the Blu-ray, the Criterion edition for Love Jones comes out next month, which I'm really looking forward to. Oh. I didn't know that, but oh. isn't there another anniversary coming up with Love Jones? Um, it has to be, because it was a 90, it's felt like it was 95, it was is that when it came out? Maybe 96. 90, yeah, 90, 90, 1997, I believe. Oh, okay. It was that late. Yeah. All right. So I want to see your article uh, with a comparison and get the Blu-ray. I've already pre-ordered. So. Oh, I'd be I'd be happy to send it to you. You know, I got a copy. <laughs> but uh, absolutely, I'll look out for the Blu-ray and send that. Send it to you. Send the article to you. Thank you. I I have to revisit Love Jones. I watched that movie far too many times, but I haven't seen it in years. Yeah. So. But, well, yeah, um, my sister and I say everything in life can be broken down to a line from the film Love Jones, and we have tested it out. Okay. What, what, what do you have a favorite? Oh, a favorite line for Love There's Jones? Two. Is that two? Uh, is that like saying your favorite kid? Is that like yeah? Um, love is played out like an eight track tape. <laughs> okay, that's, that's Nia, classic Nia. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, or was it wait, or was it um, was it Lisa Nicole Carson who said that? Uh, I think it was Lisa's line. Right, okay, okay. okay. Yeah. You're speaking of. I think it was Lisa's All right. line. All right, cool, cool. Um, so, Chris, um, you spoke a little bit about... Um, actually, wait, I have a side question, because you, you spoke about uh, loving uh, mystery comics, I believe. Um, and I love mysteries, and I love comics, but I actually have not combined the two very often. So do you have any particular, particular mystery comics that uh, you, know, you, you would recommend? Oh, yes. Uh, thank you, Marcus. Uh, I can think two come to mind immediately. Um, there's a book, and I think you guys probably know the, the brother. I think his name is uh, Matt Johnson. He has oh, two yeah, books, yeah. Uh, the yeah. Incognito series. Yes. Okay, I've read, oh, definitely yeah. read yeah, the Incognito. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, that one I've read, yes. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Incognito. Um, and then another one that I actually love so much, uh, there's a writer, he's a novelist, and he actually dabbles in comics, does screenwriting, a guy named, brother named Gary Phillips here in Los Angeles. Uh, and he had one that I fell in love with a couple of years ago called Angel Town, and it's a modern-day noir. So it's literally set, I think the book came out in the early aughts, so it's set present day, and it's about a, a black detective who's in L.A., and he's trying to solve the murder mystery of who killed this basketball player's wife. Okay. So um, Angel Town was a miniseries. It was, um, oh, gosh, what was the, and I'm drawing a blank, the, the uh -oh. D.C. imprint... That was shuttered. It was, they rebooted it like Vertigo. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the uh, the cover Vertigo. number one. This looks pretty good. That was a Vertigo book. Angel Town yeah. is good. It's, yeah. it's so good, Tony. That I tried to. Uh, I did option it and I shopped it, but we didn't find a buyer. And honestly, oh. I think if we had uh, like hit like a year later, I think we could have made a sale. So Angel Town. All right, okay. I'm I'm picking this up. This looks really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. I totally. And you know, I was I was reading comics at that time, but I didn't. I missed this. Okay. Looks oh, good. and Sean, Sean, Sean Martin. Wait, I do know. Yeah. This. Oh, this is a Martin Bro. <laughs> yes, I do yeah. know this. Oh my God, this was like I feel uh, like not long before Vertigo went where it was done. Maybe this was yeah. I think so. right. It was yeah. like kind of like near the end. My God, I know that this was in my box at Aquilonia. Uh, 
<laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to purchase this because I'm I love. Mark yeah, Zell. it was like a Mosley's joint. I I yes. remember this modern day noir. Yeah, I mean, I'm still trying to get this thing made. You know, get get it bring it to the small screen, but we'll see. Yeah. Right on, right on. Okay, cool, cool. Um, so those are my two off the off the bat uh, suggestions. No, those are those are good ones. Those are good ones. Um, all right, so. Oh, go ahead, so, Tony. You had another? I have one, uh, one that I like. I don't know if you've heard okay. this. And I, I've spoken about it here. So Leo and Marcus heard this. It's a book called The Cross Bronx. Um, yes. 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 It's like a four-book four, uh, series about, about a mystery of who killed this girl who ends up turning into a ghost. Um, it, okay. It's set in the Bronx, where I'm from. So it was okay. fantastic. Uh, I would highly recommend it. Um, I forgot who wrote it. It's called The Cross Bronx. Okay, uh, let me get a pen. So it's hard, it might be hard to find, but if you type it into Google, I think it's on Comicsology. Is it? I think that's how I found is it? it. Okay. Yeah. Is it? Is it a, an indie book? It was. Was it Image? Was it an Image? It was like Image of. It one looks of, like it's, one Oh, it's oh, it's Michael Avon Emming. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I'm a. I'm very. I'm yourself. very mixed on him. Yeah. I like him. Yeah. But um. All right. Um, so okay. So Chris, Sorry, I was, no, no, no. This is this is good. I'm, we, we, we're uh, a lot of lot of cool stuff coming up already. But uh, so Chris, you spoke a little bit about um, you know discovering the strips and and getting into them, and and even like the the process of uh, wanting to you know collect collect the series. Can you speak uh, you know more about that? About going from that initial discovery um, and those initial discussions to actually getting it printed. And I'm, I'm particularly interested in just um, maybe some of the technical challenges, you know, of like maybe restoring um, and, and, and putting it and formatting it. So like, yeah, how did that, tell us more about how that came together. Oh, interesting question again, Marcus. So once we got the deal, um, I told you the, the guys over in Spain were also doing a book. So they were doing the book to honor the artist is a guy named Jordi Longaro. Uh, and to give you a quick backstory on it, again, the strip came out in 1970 ran from January 70 to Feb 74. So basically had a four-year run. Now, the creator, most people don't know, um, maybe not so strange enough, was a white guy. Very, very liberal white guy, a guy named James Lawrence. Uh, he was what's considered a journeyman in the comic strip industry. He'd been writing strips for years, right? Um, so late 1960s, uh, and I'm, I'm kind of working up to your, your restoration yeah. question, give you a little bit of context. Late 1960s, he's a journeyman working in comic strips forever. He's like, you know, we're, they're in the midst of the Black Power movement. He was like, you know, why? I've been writing strips forever. Why aren't there any Black strips with a, with a, a Black comic strip with a Black lead? He goes to the Tribune. They're like, you know what, uh, James Lawrence? That's a great question. Why don't you create one? So that's what he does. He turns around and he creates Friday Foster. In the process of uh, creating the strip, he ends up getting connected with Jordi Longaraw, who's an artist over in Spain. And he was kind of like a fledgling artist coming up in Spain. I don't think he really worked in the States before. But they end up meeting, they hit it off, and uh, actually Longeron comes over to the States and they go to New York. He takes them around Harlem to kind of get a feel for the world of the story. And boom, they start making the strip. So James lived in New Jersey at the time. He would write these scripts for the strip and send them to the Chicago Tribune in Illinois. They would sign off on them, mail those scripts to Barcelona, Spain. Longeron would illustrate them and then send the completed package back to Chicago. So they were writing months in advance. They had to because it's a daily paper, you know, daily strip, a daily strip. So they would be writing like three, three months out just to make their daily print run. 
So that's kind of how, you know, it all came together back in the day. Right. So in terms of kind of fast forwarding to your question, again, for whatever reason, <laughs> Chicago Tribune was like, uh, we're not getting you the strips, you know? So I was like, dude, is there anything I can do? Because I had a lot of them, but I was like, you know, I'm trying to fill in some gaps here. They're like, make it happen if you want to do this book. I was like, okay. Um, so I ended up being, you know, getting deep into the bowels of the internet. And I, you know, I was fortunate enough to find a site that had what I was missing. So I told you, it ended in Feb 1974. Basically, like the last four or five months of the strip are virtually impossible to find. From like about August of September of 1973 to Feb 74 are like ghost issues. I mean, I don't know if you've had them, but to, to find the originals is like virtually impossible. But I found this site, and it was a guy who just collects strips. And he had, uh, he had the run that I needed, but they were all in black and white for some strange reason. Um, so what ultimately happened, so I had the entire run that I needed um, of the original newsprint, you know, scans of the newsprints, and then I had the digital versions of that, like, last four or five months. In terms of the restoration process, getting more direct to your question, so the Spaniards are also doing a book, right? They actually got a jump on it since they got the rights before us. And they actually did, I got to give a lot of props to them. Uh, it's a company over uh, in Spain called Norma, just like a woman's name. And they're a big, big comic book, uh, like a publisher over there. And they like to do mainly like a lot of, uh, you know, soft cover and hardcover books. I don't think they do too many floppies per se, but they're huge in the, you know, in the comic printing world over there. So they actually undertook, they did the, all the heavy lifting. They did the remastering process since they had gotten started before us. So technically we did not do that, but it's talked about in the book. Right. they did the remastering. They kind of got slowed down, you know, by, by COVID-19, like most things. But their book actually came out. We came out in December of last year, two months ago. They came out in June of last year. So they, they came out six months before us. But in terms of the restoration process, they actually, and, and again, it's, there's a, we have a, a segment on it in the book where they basically scanned all the originals, or, or which they had to do. And then they basically did like, um, I forgot what the process is called. It's almost like an inversion where they take, it, take the strip the color out and it's black and white. And then once it's black and white, then they went back and actually recolored them. So I have in the book, I don't know if you've seen it, but I have one scan of an original right. of the very first issue of Friday Foster. So you see the contrast between what just a regular scan newsprint looks like and a remaster for the rest of the book looks like. And it's night and day. And I have to say, I, I really got to give props to my publisher because originally I didn't want to remaster the strips. I kind of like that nostalgic look of like the old beat up weather strips. So I have some that are really cool where they, you know, the three color printing process is separated. So you right. see like the three colors. I was like, no, I want the fans to get into it. But he's like, no, nah, dude, we're remastering these things. And I really, really, you know, was very thankful because once I saw it, I was blown away. And actually the Spaniards, you know, I was talking to them during the process and they got to speak to the artist, Jordi Longaron. He passed away in 2019. Uh, I believe he was like in his late 80s, early 90s. So he was aware of the process. He knew the book was coming and he signed off. He was okay. very happy with the rem yeah. remastering process. He said it actually reminded him of some of the original coloring that he did. He colored some of the strips. He's like, this reminds me of my original coloring work that I did, you know, way back in the day. So he was A-OK -okay with the remastering process. So that's basically how, like I so said, we, like, so we did not handle that. I don't want to take the guy's credit. They right. did all the, the heavy lifting of remastering over, over in Spain. That's yeah. dope. Was it, was it common at all for, like, newspaper strips to have this sort of international, like, pedigree or, or like, production? I, I, you know, I, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure that's the exception to the rule. Just because, like, how labor intensive it was. Right. You know, again, the risk goes through the roof when you got to do all this mailing. Think about it. This is all. Especially back then. That's what yeah. I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like Leo you know, and I can way, just. You know, the internet, probably yeah. like 10 people knew about the internet in 1970. You know what I mean? Right, right. Uh, 
So, yeah, man. So I think that was really the exceptional rule. And I think that was just a testament to James Lawrence's pedigree in the industry. Um, like I said, he'd been working forever. He was well-known within the industry, and the Chicago Tribune trusted him. I mean, one unique fact about him is that we all know about James Bond, right? There was a James Bond newspaper comic strip, but it was only released over in England. Um, and a factoid that I found out about James Lawrence is he wrote the, uh, the entire run of the James Bond comic strip over in the U.K., and it's said that he has actually written more James Bond by way of this comic strip than Ian Fleming wrote for all his novels. Because the strip ran in the UK for like a very long time. So wow. again, like I said, this guy was, you know, he was well known and, you know, and, and really respected in the, uh, in the newspaper comic strip world. Yeah. I feel like when, uh, like, like years ago when I was in my twenties, um, and I felt like this was really unusual at the time, but when 100 Bullets was out, like 100 Bullets was a was an international co-production because Eduardo Riso's Argentinian, um, Brian Azarello's, uh I don't know where Brian Azarello's from, but uh, like to the point where Eduardo Riso, as far as I knew back then, did not speak English, so he was getting wow. like translated scripts and then adapting them to like through his style. Prior to that, I know that Riso did a bunch of. Italian and Spanish comics. So he had already mm -hmm. kind of done like some stuff where there may have been some like language difficulty. But when I learned that, I was like, and Riso, like, like 100 Bulls, I feel like ahead of itself was the fact that its artist was like this, you know, incredible weird talent. It didn't look quite like anybody else's art. And I was like, wow, he's like, he's literally collaborating with someone who we can't talk to on the phone. Yeah, that's, that's kind of wild. Yeah, like, and I, I think, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, Jordy uh, he spoke some you know some degree of English uh, uh -huh. at the time, because again his 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 status was start, starting to climb in the uh, Spanish art world, so the fact that he was connected you know to the states you know he had a little bit of uh you know I don't think that was a huge of a issue, and he actually in my research I found that he read a lot of magazines and for inspiration for his artwork too you know American and European mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. I think he's a fairly real web guy. I think 100 Bullets, that was a Vertigo book, too, if I'm not mistaken. That was, yeah, yeah, definitely. Was it definitely was Vertigo. Yes, yeah. indeed. I feel like that was one of the Vertigo. Like, after the Sandman, like, that was the one that yeah. kind of yeah. sparked a lot of shit. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm, I'm actually, yeah. sorry, Marcus, I'm actually a little bit interested in, because I know you say that they, they did this process of remastering. Does that mean they were able to take the words out and reprint them in Spanish? Yeah. So they had to re-letter the whole thing. We actually wow. Mm. The little the speech bubbles, they literally had to wipe them blank and then they had to translate everything into Castilian Spanish. So yeah, and oh, I, I've Castilian. seen, I've got, yeah. some, I've got some of the prints of the work because they, you know, they would send me samples along the way. So I would have these beautifully remastered strips with just plain white speech bubbles. That is amazing. Yeah, you know, it was a very intensive. So you can imagine, you know, there are 218 strips and mm -hmm. that's just Sunday color. Yeah. So you can imagine, you know, how, how much work that was. And we actually had to re-letter them on our side as well because, again, you know, the text was there. But, again, these strips are 50 years old, so sometimes it can be a little faded and a crossbar and a T or a dot on an I is missing. So we had to re-letter uh, re wow. the entire thing. We had to re-letter them, too. Well. That's yeah, wow. trust me, I've read this thing up many a time. <laughs> that's, it's, it's just fascinating. Wow. But that's it. Yeah. No, and, like, I feel like also with, like, some archival productions, like, I want to say with, um, with Windsor McKay's, like, reprints, they sort of just take the damage to it. They'll reprint it with like you know where you can't read some of it, like it's a little funky. They'll be like, "Look, this is what it, this is what we got." Yeah. <laughs> we'll blow it up, but that's all we can do. Uh, so to take this sort of like you know re-engineered approach is kind of cool. Uh, to kind of yeah. So yeah, we and you know and from what I'm you know seeing you know on, on the internet, you know the fans are responding well, thank God. So right on. Yeah, yeah. I've I've been reading it. And it's uh you know the uh 
uh, Jody uh, Longaron's art too. Um, it's it's really I don't know the elegance. I don't know. There's, there's just the the line quality and um, the, the way he captures people. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's really and it, it, it's interesting. So so from what you're saying, like he only visited Harlem, but he never he never lived here in the states really. I know. Yeah, we have we have a, I believe there's a couple of photos in the book where they, in their initial meeting with James Lawrence came to Chicago, met the folks at the Tribune. They go, he takes him up to Harlem, and he's uh, literally longer on, you know, hanging out the edge of the car, taking still photos, right. getting a feel for the world. And he said, there's a story that goes, he even met, you know, like a guy on the streets. They met, you know, Lawrence and Longaron met a guy on the streets. And like, no, what is this white dude and his Mexican doing up here in Harlem? And, you know, they're like, hey, dude, you might not want to, you know, be here when the sun hangs out. Again, this is 1970s. I'm just keeping it real. Right. And, this is um, a different time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and again, they shot during the day and they got out of Dodge before sun went down. Hmm. Um, wow. So, uh, Deborah, um, I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm, I haven't, I recommend everybody, uh, go read your Love Jones, uh, Friday Foster connection piece. Um, and if you could, you know, give us a link, we'll definitely tweet it out, but yeah, can it you, it hasn't been published yet. Oh, it hasn't been published. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. <laughs> well, maybe we shouldn't, we shouldn't really get into it then. Cause I want, I was, I was curious to, uh, to, to, to hear a little bit more out of it, but yeah, but I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil yeah, it. If I mean, when will, when will it be published? Well, I will let y'all know. Uh, okay. I don't have a date yet, so right. um, we'll, we'll, we'll see. The good thing is, is okay. that it's done and it's written, and I've given a few talks based on it as well. Um, and I'm so glad y'all are talking about the art because for me. Yes. And, you know, who Jim Lawrence was and his dedication to do something different with Friday mm -hmm. Foster and um, the greatness with which he executed it, in my opinion. But the art is so important as well, just thinking about how Black people, you know, over all of this time in art have been depicted and drawn. Yeah. And, 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 and of course, Jim Lawrence talks about this in a great um, New, York, New Yorker uh, piece. Um, and just, I, won't, I don't need to recount it because Christopher just talked a lot about some of that, um, some of that background. But um, he wanted to have an artist who could aesthetically have a compelling representation of blackness that didn't look, you know, minstrel like. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's just the beauty of the art is one thing, but then the ability to depict blackness in Absolutely. the particular way in which it was done in the strip, I think is something else that um, was very uh, successful. Uh, the coloring, you know, uh, as as well as just the art itself and getting, you know, features and proportions of features and yeah. all of that um, done so well, uh, I think is really worth the note. But I mean, I, I, what I can quickly say about the Love Jones Friday Foster piece is I talk about Friday Foster in terms of a romance comic in some ways, um, but not just the love between her and, you know, other uh, like, like men in the strip, but the love for community, mm -hmm. uh, love for other characters. So thinking about love expansively. Uh, how it was important that she was a black professional woman, uh, a few, uh, one of the few representations of black womanhood in a sort of glamorous way at that time, you know, as well. And there's just so much in that comic strip 
like talking about things, you know, work, politics, life things. And um, so it's the, the strip is doing a lot. And, you know, with Love Jones, you have the character Nia Long, who's also a photographer, professional woman. That film is about love, also about love, uh, you know, um, a love for a community, but love for a city as well, right? Because Chicago mm -hmm. is like a character um, in that film uh, in the same way as the, like the setting in Friday Foster uh, matters as, as well. So uh, it's, mm. uh, that's, that's the connection between the two, many permutations of love and it's called Polly Nor Amor, Love Jones, Friday Foster and the struggle for affective citizenship Really, <laughs> really scholarly kind of super stupid title, but <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, like it. You know how us academics do. <laughs> we can make things more complicated. I probably could have just said, you know, love and citizenship, <laughs> but then it wouldn't be scholarly. Yeah, no, it you wouldn't got, be scholarly. Absolutely, it's got that. Kind of course, of it actually would have. Right, but you know, right, right. I'm sure their peers are going to be like, "Oh, what's this?" <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so, so Friday Foster, um, so the strip began in, in, in 1970? Was that the first year? January, 19, okay. January 18, 1970. Okay. So I, I, I'm curious for both of you, um, you know, having, having more experience uh, with, with the strip and its creation and the creators, um, I dealt a lot with that, that time period, even in um, just the creation of the, uh, the Black Panther Party graphic novel. But they're like, Societally, there was there was a lot going on. Um, you know, what would you guys say? I mean, I, I know that uh, Jim Lawrence like lived in in New Jersey, and he he kind of like looked to the um, community and, and saw a, a a lack in um, the strips that he saw coming out versus the community. But like, um, I guess I'm curious, like contextually, right? Like, what do you see? Um, of the time period, other than just like, you know, um, aesthetic things, like like how did the, the events of the day inform the strip and how does it come through? Um, one thing I can say, uh, he had some really cool storylines. They were kind of like all over the place, but not in a bad way. You know, he literally just covering just various facets of life. But uh, I had two that come to mind immediately, uh, evoking 1970s. Um, there was a... Um, so in the strip, Sean has a boss, white guy, his name is Sean North. So he's the photographer, and she kind of starts out as his, as his assistant. His assistant, so, right, yeah. Right. Well, kind of like yeah. me along, too, and Love Jones. Right. His assistant, yeah, until she I'm, got her own thing going. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing it. So in the strip, Sean North, again, he kind of like, he's like a well-known, you know, helmet lane, you know, guy. He's high fashion photographer, does photo essays. And he comes across a protest in one of the storylines of these women's livers. Uh, which immediately evokes um, Gloria Steinem. So these women out there protesting for women's rights, and he ends up, long story short, he ends up getting into a romance with one of these women's livers. But again, going back to the 1970s, that's when the women's live movement was on the rise. So he was you know, ripping stories right out of the day's headlines for the narratives of Friday Foster. Um, there was another one where Sean North encounters a, uh, a woman who's a model and a fashion designer uh, but she's today, I guess, what we call a plus-size model. And then Sean North, he actually kind of ends up falling for her in the storyline, but it kind of becomes an issue with her of, you know, why do I have to be a plus-size model? Why can't I just be a model? Hmm. Um, and, you know, so we talk, we talk about, you know, body shaming or fat shaming, you know, women. 
So that was a storyline. Again, this is early 70s, you know, fast forward to today. These issues are very, you know, very real and relevant today. That's wild. It's also yeah. also sad that we still are, are having the same discussions. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but it's oftentimes yeah. the oftentimes the, the case. Of progress turn way slow. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Um, um you know, if I can jump back, Marcus, real quick to go yeah. back to Long Ron's art, quick point, yes. sidebar. His art, again, I think if it wasn't for his art, and I love the strip and the stories, you know, mm. I think it would have been more stylized, because I love the fact that it's almost photorealistic art. You know, right. his art just really took it to another level. As a case in point, you can try to buy the artwork now. There are a couple of auction sites. There's eBay. Uh, there's another one called Heritage Auctions, uh, which deals in a lot, a lot of, like, just across the board. I tried to buy uh, a uh, longer original uh, mm. Friday Foster strip maybe about six months ago. And I got bid, and I had a ceiling for myself. I went in at 2K and didn't even, you know, it didn't matter at 2K. Mm. What did it land on? You know, eight, eight and a half by 11, black and white. This was not even uh, colored. Huh. So yeah, know, what, what, what was the end today. bid? Uh, I think it got up to maybe like 27, 28. Oh. Okay. Right. Not thousand. Ah, okay. okay. But okay. still, though, still, though, still. That's, oh, yeah. yeah. I just saw one on, on eBay last week, and it went for 1500 or 1600 uh, Literally last week, like Sunday, the auction ended. Wow. Huh. So, so his art okay. is still very much in demand. Yeah, no, the, the quality of it is, um, I, I don't even know, the, like, like he really, uh, just everything, like, you know, from vehicles to just the environment to um, just to incidental background people, um, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, I, yeah, it's yeah, got, go it's, ahead, no, just it, 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 it pops in like this kind of way that, you know, it doesn't mm -hmm. have that like the, the sometimes like staid quality of some of like your Wally Woods and you're all like that stuff is dope and all. But it has this it's kind of vibrant. It's kind of vivacious. It yeah. seems hip as fuck, you know, like <laughs> it seems hipper than a lot of what would have been on that page unless I just don't mm -hmm. know a 1970 comic strip page as well. But it seems like significantly hipper than like what's there. Yeah, it's it's oh, it's yeah. groovy. It still looks fantastic. Like yeah. oh yes, yeah. You know, when I save up enough chips, I'm gonna try to give me an original before it's all over. But you know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Talking about so Leo just used the word groovy. <laughs> the other thing about the strip is in terms of the language and the vernacular, it's not like overdone. But when mm -hmm. you read it, it's it's definitely seventy. <laughs> it's definitely seventy. Yeah, 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 yeah. In terms of the language. <laughs> Yeah, the, I, I I did have a chuckle at the the phrase. It was uh, Af, was Afro fashion uh, shoot was yeah. That, that that's that phrase is is often repeated in the first uh, the general first uh, series of scripts. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. No. Um. So I so so another question I had is um. I, this is for both of you. Uh, either of you can answer it first. Um. But. What uh, being that, like you know, Friday Foster, I think in the in the intro, Chris, you described um, the fact that it's a strip that's deserving of being more well known, but um, kind of since it ended, like you know, hasn't had the recognition that it deserves. Um, I guess for both of you, are there any other um, strips, and you know, I mean, particularly you know, maybe starring black or black women characters. Um, that you think are also deserving of the same treatment of um, being collected? Sure. <laughs> Might be a tough question, but I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, but if we're talking about those those earlier moments. It's it's not like there were a whole lot, right? But I mean, this right. is some of the stuff like that I talk about uh, in my book, like the Barbara Brandon work. You know, where I'm coming from, I definitely think more people uh, should know about her work and and it's such a important I think commentary about the politics of the 1990s and colorism and racial relations and also you know romance and friendships and and just everyday life things and I think that's what was so amazing uh, about it but yeah but most of the things that I felt like deserved more treatment are uh, in the book or or mentioned uh, in in the book I mean a bit yeah <laughs> I mean people are getting to know Jackie Orms now so right. that, that's right. great and several people have written on her stuff and there's the great Nancy Goldstein book uh too which I think helped but uh but I, what I get a lot is that my discussion of uh Jackie Orms and her strips is one of people's favorites and that they never heard of her etc cetera, etc cetera. they're just so you know surprised that here's this woman in the 1930s and 40s and um early 50s doing doing this work yeah, and th- and that work was truly, I mean, I want to say ahead of its time, but again, maybe it's it's a little bit more of what we were just speaking about, the fact about the wheels of progress changing slowly. But like, um, I just remember when, I think, uh, yeah, it was, it was about like seven, eight years ago when I really first started um, to, to learn about her. And um, she just was really getting into things, you know, kind of in the way that maybe you know, it, it, it's a it, there's a little bit more room for today's modern cartoonists to um, get into the events of the day. But I, I was a uh, yeah, I think she's definitely one to for people to know about and study. Yeah, and I was going to say that. I mean, I know of the uh, the book by um, by the, I'm sorry, what's her name again? Linda, the Jackie Orms book. What's the oh, name? Um, Nancy Goldstein. Yes, Nancy Goldstein. Does it? I, I haven't seen. I've only seen it online. Does it actually contain many strips in it, or is it more of a? It's like a coffee table book. She does a bit of uh, contextualizing, but it's it's basically just the you know the comics. Oh, okay, good. Uh, okay, I need to get it because I like I said I know I've seen it online, but I was definitely going to say Jackie Orms for Torchy Brown for sure mm-hmm. for black female characters. I mean, it's probably the preeminent one of the day. I would think. Um, there's another one that I like, but it's not black women, and it's somewhat similar to Friday Foster. Um, there's a strip called uh, Dateline Danger that I found out about in my travels on Friday Foster. And it came out in the late 1960s. And it's similar to Friday Foster in that there's the two main leads are a white guy and a black guy. Um, apparently, it was inspired by the TV show I Spy um, from the late 60s. And it's I about these two show. guys who are these government agents and they globe trot around the world saving the planet from, you know, the bad guys. Um, and I was thinking, you know, if I do another comic strip uh, reprint collection, maybe I'll do Dateline Danger. Because uh, it ran about the same period, like late 60s to like early 70s, maybe like 68 to 75 or something like that, or 74. Uh, but again, you know, it's kind of known in the comic strip world, but outside of that, I don't, I don't know too many people know about it. Okay, cool, cool. Um, that would be great. Do that book. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, do that book. So it's, it's Dateline Danger? Dateline danger exclamation point. Okay. Uh, cool. And the uh, artwork is good, but it's not long around. So, you know. All right. Uh, all right. Again, well, that's a high I mean, bar. That's a high bar. Yeah, it's a very high bar. So it's photorealistic. You know, it's not stylized art. You know, they look like people. Um, but again, you know, interesting storylines. And I've actually started to do, again, once again, to collect just the Sunday color strips. So, uh, but I got a long way to go on that one. So we'll see. You know, that, that, you know, that could be, you know, my next project. Where did it run again? 
And what newspaper? Uh, Daylight Danger was a national strip as well. Um, I, I forgot the syndicator, but okay. it was a syndicator. It wasn't like the Chicago Trib. You know, like they had the AP back in the day. Okay. Uh, so it was just a syndicator. And I can't remember the name. It wasn't United Press. It wasn't AP. It was a, it was another one. Um, but it, it, was a, it was a nationally run uh, comic strip. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking at some of the images now. All right. This looks cool. Sorry, this this isn't good for uh, podcast audio. <laughs> I know I've been staring at these pages. <laughs> here's a uh, here's here's five minutes of our host looking at. Comments. I have a question for Chris. Yeah. Can I? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, Deborah. I, look, anytime you're on, you don't even have to ask. I know. I start yeah. doing that, you don't can, I? You can, you can interview anybody on the podcast. Go for it. Okay, Chris, if there was like one thing you wanted folks to know about Friday Foster. Um, and the one thing that they should go to your book to, to see, what do you think that would be? All right. That's, that's a good question. I should have an answer for uh, the one thing I would uh, know about Friday Foster. What I've been telling folks is that if you're a fan of the 1970s and if you're a fan of just great comic art, then Friday Foster will be a, a great read for you. Uh, the stories are, are really fun and intriguing. You know, I love to see, you know, a black woman jet setting across the world having these great adventures in the 1970s, because that's, you know, in large part what the book's about. You know, she goes to Africa, mm-hmm. you know, Europe. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's just really fun. And, you know, just the nostalgic element of the book, you know, means a lot to me. So seeing, you know, this black character globetrotting, you know, you know winning, winning the war, so to speak, you know, just having a fun time. Uh, I think Friday Foster the book for you. World-class art. Trust me, I love it, love it, love it. You know, great storylines. And again, like I said, some of the storylines from the 70s still resonate today. I mean, I think these are things that you'll really enjoy in the book. Um, it's such a gift to the world, too, you know, yeah. for someone to be able to have it and have all of those collected and not not yeah. have to go to all these places and pay this large amount of money. I mean, you know, right. I'm looking and forward again, to, to teaching it. <laughs> yeah, please, please do. And I will say, and the way James Lawrence wrote it, and I think a lot of comic strips are like that, even though we just have the Sundays, uh, you know, I almost uh, make the analogy of, it's like a soap opera. You don't have to watch a soap opera five days a week to know what's going on. So the fact that it's only Sundays, the narrative thread runs through Mm -hmm. from week to week to week, and the plot turns also happen on Sunday. So every time a new adventure begins, it's always in the Sunday color. You know, it'll be at the end, one storyline will end, and then like the last panel, we kick in with a new storyline. So that's another reason that, you know, it's not a big deal that we don't, because some people say that we wish we had the, the dailies. I get it, but again, that was way too much work. What will happen? Um, so, um, but yeah. Well, so you don't, you don't feel like you're missing a beat, like with what you're saying, like, you know what I mean? Like they, they do a really good job if you're only reading the Sundays of, like I wasn't right. missing anything, you know? Right. And I ask these people nitpick about some details, which I get, but by and large, trust me, it's not an issue. I, I guarantee you, like I said, I've read these things too many times. And I would, if it was that jumpy, I wouldn't have done it. You know, if it was that choppy in terms of narrative, I would not have done it. So, yeah. um, so that was part one, I think, Deborah, or was that parts one and two? I'm sorry. That was all of it. Thank you for putting this book out into the world. And congratulations. You as well, Marcus. I've been teaching your book on the Panthers. Oh. And my student. Nice. Oh, you know, thank you. Nice. I like it. Nice. It's, it's, it's fire. I really appreciate. Should be that. a guest lecturer. Thank you. <laughs> I, I I was actually, and it was a honor, it was an honor. Yeah, and, and your students, I, I could tell they were your students because they asked great questions. So it was it was it was it was really good. Um, uh, oh, go ahead, Tony. Sorry, I wanted to go back to the time period because yes. I, I can I appreciate the time period as 
mm-hmm. someone who's my age. There's something about that type of color, that type of art that I don't get now. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, you know, here I have like, you know, a 1970s firestorm on my wall and you look at that type of art and you're like, you know, I look at comics now and the colors are great. People really know how to draw. But I don't know if there is something missing, if there was something in those 70s, particularly those 70s, maybe early comic books that was being expressed that we're missing today. How do you, how do you feel about that? Or is it just me? In terms of the art and the illustrations? Yeah, I think, or maybe it's the way the stories were told. I feel like there's something about the older comic books that I'm not getting. Because, I, I mean, I was an avid collector. I mean, I would say the same thing about the Teen Titans, the old X-Men, you know, Justice League, Firestorm. I don't know if it's that a lot of them, specifically the big two, have been more commercialized. But I feel like I'm, miss, I'm not getting the same type of feel I got as a kid reading those books in the 70s and in, in, in the late 70s or early 80s and again if it's just me just let me know but I just want to know what your opinion is on that I could tackle that but Christy you want to uh, I'll let you go I need to ruminate so yeah well a lot of the stuff that I've read I mean we were started out talking about black exploitation you know there are some narratives that were done really well um you know as folks know I did a deep dive into X-Men and Storm and Vixen across so many different titles and there were moments where there were great gems and and then there were moments you know, like with the character Nubia and Wonder Woman and you know I mean when we can talk about Luke we, Luke Cage we can talk about so many characters and so it, just in terms of the 70s it was very kind of, depending on what you were reading, right, and and where, because there was um, obviously uh, Black-produced comics and characters at the time that were trying to do something different, um, which the Jeffrey Brown book on Milestone Comics uh, talks about as well, like Milestone versus, like, um, you know, some of the earlier years and then some of the Black companies and all these things. But um, I actually think now in this moment, I think this is somewhat of, maybe I think it was Chris who was talking about in the very beginning, um, maybe it was Marcus, I don't know, but there's just some great stuff being done now that's very intersectional, that's very deep, that's reflective, not only like on the 70s, 80s, 90s, and like our contemporary moment and all the futurist stuff that's kind of, I'm thinking like the John Jennings stuff where they've gone back to like Octavia Butler and turned it into a graphic that's novel. Fair. That's and, fair, mm-hmm. yes. And Absolutely. that kind of futurist yeah. speculative yeah. stuff that's talking about slavery a particular moment and then the future all together to help us um, think about really complex questions and ideas and forms of identity. So it's okay. I might be just nostalgic. That's okay. <laughs> I think it depends on the title too, yeah. you know, what title, right. what narrative, what yeah. character yeah, and all sure. that. Remind me, I want Chris, you to, I want you to go, but remind me to come back. I have a, a thought just about some of the aesthetics, but, but uh, Chris, you, you go ahead. Um, yeah, it's kind of hard for me to say. It may be a bit of nostalgia. I will say one thing about Long Run specifically is that, again, I know that he read a lot of stuff and he did, in fact, read a lot of fashion magazines, which obviously played well for the storylines of uh, Friday Foster. So in terms of like the look and the aesthetic of the, uh, Friday Foster in particular, I'm sure it was influenced by his reading of you know, fashion magazines. Um, compared to today, um, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, obviously, technology can make almost anything look better these days, you know, uh, in terms of, you know, digital artistry versus, you know, drawing out, you know, long, you know, with a uh, freehand. Um, but I don't know, I think the st- nostalgia maybe for me plays a big hand, but I am kind of impressed with some of the artwork today, just in terms of like what they can do with, you know, shading and lighting. And, you know, even get to take more technical stuff like paper quality, you know, can play a difference, you know, 
printing on newsprint versus that's some high true. glossy stuff. That's you true. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, you know, I guess it's kind of maybe, maybe it's a mixed bag for me. So. Now that the art is uh, computer generated, right? And a, a lot of people are doing their comics uh, digitally. And I mean, I don't know, in terms of black characters, I think of characters like like Nubia, you know, and Wonder they just could not get the coloring right. They couldn't get That's the true. hair right. You know if you wasn't into the wrong. 1990s, that, yeah. that character right. even yeah. looked yeah. halfway well, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're getting to a point, Deborah, which I, which is exactly what I wanted to come back to because um, I think, and I think Leo had commented on this before too, but like um, with, with Friday Foster and, and Longer Run's artwork, there were things that he was getting right that I know the Marvel comics that I love of the time, you know, it's like I love them with, with an asterisk because you would bump into, like, I mean, we've, we've spoken about this extensively on the show, but, like, um, black hair, it was almost like there was one black man, black woman uh, model, do you know what I mean, that they just kind of fit the, they, you know, they change the clothing up a little bit, but it's essentially the same same guy. Like, basically what Luke Cage looked like was what, the majority of the black male characters in the book that showed up look like we've spoken about about latinx characters and that you know sometimes they would use gray coloring uh on people's skin like it was it was they just really couldn't figure it out it's almost like they were like all right we, we can get our head around this medium brown tone and we yeah. can get our head around the white guy tone there's a but we there's don't know a, what to, yeah. dude there's a grayish brown like i don't know what hexadecimal it is but there's uh. a grayish brown that was used in a lot of shit for way yeah, yeah. too long <laughs> it's right. like the all-purpose. Uh, yeah. We, we, um, uh, since I've, I've been a little in and out, have we talked at all about uh, about fashion? Because like, um, for any for any fans of the show who watch our cartoon streams, we watch Gem every week, Gem and the Holograms, and like Gem was like a big fashion. Uh, like, I mean, it's weird like watching Gem because I'm like, oh, almost all the cartoons I watched as a kid everybody always had the same exact clothing on all the time, mm -hmm. like every single episode. That was part of like the iconography of a character, like right, because right. they couldn't represent them in like, I guess a way that was more noticeable or that they trusted people to recognize them in. So, you know, they had a dumb hat or they had like a vest that they wore for some reason when no one wore vests and you knew that was the guy with the vest. Um, but obviously like, yeah, this is like sort of in that same boat where like fashion is like so uh, prioritized and diversified. Uh, but like, I mean, I don't. I want to say even today, it's not necessarily like a given that you're gonna get that diversity of like of clothing in a in a show or even sometimes in the comic, because you know you got to know that uh, that you know that woman always wears a blue shirt, so she's gonna always gonna have a blue shirt, and that's part of it. Um, fashion is everything in Friday Foster. Seriously, yeah. but fashion yeah. is fabulous, mm -hmm. <laughs> and even looking at those strips now, that that vintage fashion is popular now right like i could if i could get my yeah. hands on some of the things that she wore in that strip uh coats dresses the like i, I definitely like to but uh i'm so glad you brought that up i don't know chris what you think but i just i loved the the way in which the clothing was uh was done yeah right one actually one of my favorite storylines is uh there's a black fashion designer in one of the storylines. This very flamboyant guy named, I think his name is Abu. I can't remember his last name, it's ABU. And he's courting Friday to go uh from being uh the camera assistant to actually being a fashion model. So for a brief while in the strip, she's actually, you know, a, a major fashion model. And it's all thanks to Abu. Um and again, again, just those storylines, again, just the fashion is through the roof, man. It's like stuff you would literally see on the runway back in like, you know, the seventies. I mean it's it's awesome. 
I mean, and you can tell he did his homework, you know, in terms of long raw, in terms of the, the creations that he made for, for that particular storyline. I mean, it just it blows me away. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, just reading it, it made me very curious because I know today, you know, it, we have more avenues of, of, of research, um, but just, yeah, I'm just looking at it and I'm like, well, how was he living across the world and like, you know, like capturing some of this stuff? And I know you, I know you said there were magazines and things, but it's still, it's still pretty, pretty incredible. You know, you think about the seventies and that information just did not yep. flow in the same way. Research is vital. I know Deborah would agree that research is vital. I mean, Thomas right. Pynchon like never traveled anywhere, but like all his books were had like international backdrops and he just yeah. like harassed all his friends who traveled and was like, I want to know everything. I want to know every little detail, like so that I can like write a scene in a cafe in Milan and like get it right. right. Yeah, you know, yeah. Ain't, ain't no substitute for good research. Yeah, never. Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, so in the green room, uh, Deborah, you were you were speaking about some some really interesting stuff that you you've been writing and that you are oh, writing. Yeah. What? What, which ones can you speak about now? Sure, thank you so much. So um, something that I know is gonna come out in about a year, a uh, book chapter that I, I wrote for an anthology on black uh, television about black women DC characters. So I was just talking about that and um, particularly looking at um, Batwoman uh, Fish Mooney from uh, Gotham, mm. uh, the amazing uh, sisters from Black Lightning, and talk a little bit about their mother as, as well. And um, so I'm talking about all these characters in terms of how they depict different types of leadership styles, but especially the leadership styles that um, Black women take on um, out of necessity. Uh, for a variety of reasons. And one of the things I, I like, I mean, I think Batwoman is like great. And I just got into um, Naomi and I'm like, oh man, I wish I wouldn't have finished this and already turned it in. Uh, Cause I could have talked about her too. But I, I think that this, um, you know what they're doing with the series Batwoman, I'm just interested to know what some of you all think. Um, I also talk about Iris West and Flash. Um, but I, I think they're doing a, a really great job with that series. It's not by any means perfect. And I really like talking about Fish Mooney because, you know, she's she's not even just an anti-hero. She's like, you know, very complex yeah. character, but, um, you know, uh, bad, evil, strong, a lot of different things, which is why I, I, I like her because that complexity is there. Uh, and I think Jada Pinkett Smith did such an amazing uh, acting job in bringing her to life and making her more probably than she would have been if, if someone else had um, talked about the character. So um, and I really like talking about, uh, I talk a little bit about black fatherhood too and the father's relationship with the daughters and black lightning as the, it's, yeah. it's kind of like a mentor tutelage aspect and the way he relates differently to his daughters that begins to shape um, their leadership style and their thinking of themselves. And so um, I'm so excited to get that piece out uh, in the world. We're hoping there's going to be a second edition of Black Women in Sequence. And oh, wow. um, so a couple things are going to go and a couple new things um, are going to uh, come in. So, uh, yeah, and I, and I think um, we were also talking about 
I've recently written something on uh, the character Odetta Walker, Susanna Dean in uh, Stephen King's The Dark Tower series and talking about disability, both physical uh, and mental, but uh, it's, it's a really interesting character. Um, initially, it takes place in the 1960s and she's an activist and then she becomes a double amputee. And um, so, so much of it's politically based. So I've been able to do a lot and talking about that character. Um, also writing on the film Fast Color, just finished a, a piece on oh, yeah. Ms. Marvel. Uh, so that's uh, something I've taken a recent really deep dive into is the um, Willa G. Wilson's Ms. Marvel talking about, um, uh, as I was saying before, uh, Muslim futurisms through this uh, young girl character who becomes Ms. Marvel. And being a superhero in her community means, you know, a lot more, it, it, it's very different than other, uh, you know, superhero characters. So it's, I think it's, it's it's fabulous. It's really good. I think it's really good. Yeah. Also, uh, one of the rare Marvel comics to take place in, in Jersey. Jersey City. Yeah. That's yeah. And, and, and that's, that's the character in, in that graphic novel. Jersey is like its own Right, character. right. It's so yeah. cool. Cool. You excited so, about the? Oh, go ahead, Tom. I was gonna say we do have a question. Okay, all right. Um, so, uh, the first one I see is: Do you think we'll ever see another live act version of Friday Foster? That's from Street Prep. Hmm. Yeah, I keep. I, I found. Uh, I found the the full film on on all of our favorites, The Mosh. And I was like, of course. I was like, dude, we, do we need to watch this. Like, I, I think mean, we we might have we have to do a screening. Okay, absolutely. yeah, I'm not yeah. tonight, but yeah, yeah, we we've, we've got it on 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 one of those gray market websites. Uh, yeah, I'm not. Has anybody seen? I'm not familiar with this at all. I've no, it's like the one Pam Greer black exploitation film that I haven't seen. <laughs> right, this, this one I haven't seen. Yeah, yeah, it's a white director, right? White filmmaker. Yeah, Actually, yeah. I interviewed the director in the book, a guy named Arthur Marks. Um, yes. And it was really cool. He lives here or lives here in, L in L.A. And he passed away a couple of months after I interviewed him. So I was very thankful to, get, uh, to sit down with him because he was up in age, too. I think he was like, uh, I actually interviewed him on his birthday and he didn't even tell me. I'm um, talking to him. He gets a phone call and he's like, uh, and he's like, oh, thank you. I'll have a good time. And I'm like, what are you talking about, old man? And he's like, oh, today's my birthday. That was my granddaughter. I was like, dude, why did you tell oh, me? Oh, my Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Did you talk to Pam Greer, Chris? You know what, uh, Deborah? That's the one thing. She is like a vapor. Uh, we have an interview with her in the book, and actually my Spanish cohorts got the interview like in 2018. You know, she does, she lives, I think, like in New Mexico or Arizona now. Uh, I want to say she's like a quasi-recluse. I've tried reaching out to her management, her agents, crickets. Awesome. I know she's alive because she's posted on Twitter and you know, Twitter, Instagram yeah. every now and then. Mm. Uh, but no, because uh, I want to at least send her the book. But no, I have not had a chance to speak to her about it unfortunately. Um, to answer your question, and, I, and this is maybe, I, I don't know if I should say this, but there were rumblings about a remake with a major comedian producing and a major actress starring. Comedian. Okay. okay. Oh, I I've got someone in mind. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> and comedian. Uh, a woman, you might say, who, you know, she Tiffany had, Haddish. you know, uh, a, a huge television show. Uh, I don't even know how to say this without saying it, but it was a, a gigantic. Like you, you, Anthony. What you're in the what state are you in? I'm in New Jersey. 
But I, live, I am a New Yorker. <laughs> oh, okay. If you're a New Yorker, you were so born in what, what's the, that state called? The what state? Uh, uh, the Empire. Empire State. Okay. So, yeah, somebody uh, who oh, made, you know, uh, okay. Very good. Very good. You, I got you it. You did there. I got it. Foster. Yes. You know what you did I got there. it. Rumblings. Wow. Okay. Rumblings. Okay. I, I will say this. Um, <laughs> apparently, and I found this out of my research, Chicago Tribune owns the print rights to Friday Foster. They don't own the film TV rights. And there's another mm-hmm. company, and apparently they're playing like real hardball on uh, doing remakes for Friday Foster. Because what I want to do is, and what I'm trying to do actually right now, I want to do uh, either a, a series, uh, live action, or animated for TV for Friday Foster. Oh, um, oh animated cool. would be really Great. cool. Oh. Oh. Animated would be dope. I, I, oh, I, do that, yeah. please. Yeah, please. <laughs> just parlay the strips into, you know, animation. And you know, um, in a perfect world, I would even keep it stuck in the '70s. But that's just me. Oh, that would be. That would. Be I'm sorry. Yeah. So you got me. Oh, you got me on that. Um, so, oh. so I'm working that. on that. But again, the rights holder is apparently they. You know, they play hardball. So this is all. We're at the very beginning of the process. We'll see what happens. But again, in terms of a live action feature film, that's all I don't know. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, that um, was a great question. Thank you yeah. for that. Yeah. 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 Um. um Oh, go ahead, Leo. Did were were there a few other things in the chat? Uh, this one might be for everyone. Can someone find the hexadecimal code for <laughs> that? Yeah, I might have to use the eyedropper because no, it's yeah, we yeah. all know what it the was. Eyedropper. Uh, we all know it's what atrocious. it was. Yep, uh, yep, yeah, it's yep. it's it's a thing. I don't know what it is. It's not a skin color. Never was. Yeah, a skin color. like basically, <laughs> if you were if you were ethnic but not black, then yeah, you you. <laughs> You fell somewhere in that grace. So yeah. I'll pull up my uh, my my uh, Justice League comic where Vibe first debuted to get that uh, oh, hexadecimal yes. code. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, man. Yeah. That's um, um, so just real quick, uh, we uh, we're we're almost at ten thirty, so I just wanted to um, you know go go around and do a quick round in the the chat portion of the show, which I, I feel like we've already been in because we've been talking about a lot of cool pop culture stuff. But um, yeah, I just want to go around the table. What are, what is a, a piece of media, whether it's um, like you know film or TV or something that you've each consumed that uh, that that you've been feeling recently? Dude, Horizon Forbidden West came out. Do you understand that? Horizon Forbidden West came out today. It is okay. amazing. My review came out a few days ago. I love it to pieces. Everybody needs to play it. The sad part is, I played it on PS5. That's how you should play it. I know PS5s are like you know kilos right now like they're very very hard to track down but it is the most diverse video game it is my favorite open world uh adventure narrative it is you know i was i was talking to chico about it because chico and i share our love for the first one as well and and like yeah like i mean this has to be not just the fact that the game is like you know the most diverse even though it is this like high sci-fi post-apocalyptic thing uh it has like the most just like a thing that Chico always talks about, one of the reasons he loves the Fast and Furious series, it has the most beige people in it. It does not have, like, black and white people in it or black, white, and Asian people in it. It has, like, you know, mixed-race people in it. It has every type of person is in it for something, whether it's a quest or a side quest or a thing. Um, It's incredible. And... I, I, I don't know if anybody uh, here on this call... I know, Marcus, I bugged you to play the original. The original is amazing. I, I'm going to. I am going it's, to. It's, it's an incredible thing. It made me feel emotions. There are parts of the game that made me cry. There are parts of the first one that make me cry. It is an incredible experience. 
I love it. I gave it a nine. I gave it a, a I gave it a whatever four four and five out of five. It's a personal ten. It has some little niggles in it, but it is for me. It's a per, it's a personal ten. I struggle to think that there's going to be a better game this year. Everybody has to play it. Don't forget the main the the. I mean, you the, out here crying, you know? Don't like... don't Luke, don't forget the and don't, also. Yo, video games will make you cry. Too. Oh, I there okay. I can name two that made me cry. Yeah, there's okay. not a hundred of them that do, <laughs> right. but this one right. is definitely one that can. Um, and also because no one ever talks about it to the point where like I feel like I need to write an article about it to avoid any erasure. The main uh the main character, a rare woman main character for an open world adventure game, Assassin's Creed notwithstanding, you can choose your gender in that game, so it's different. This you play a woman in this. Um, although she's white presenting in the game, played by uh, a, a woman of mixed race who is half uh, Thai. So it is uh, also a, like an Asian American led game, even though that's not exactly ever talked about and it's not a part of the game's narrative or anything like that. But I wanna make sure it's known, Ashley Birch is, uh, is Asian American and it's incredible. Everybody needs to play it. Please play Horizon. Horizon Forbidden West is the name of the sequel. That must have been the, the second Asian woman lead I've heard of in a video game. It's so rare. It is very rare. So rare. Yeah. Uh, and in Western, I guess in a Western game, I should clarify, in a Western okay. game, well, for all intents and purposes. Um, but yeah, it was amazing. Um, I'm still playing the show. I beat it, and I'm still playing, playing it like crazy. It's a wonderful game. Wow. We have to follow his review. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, My piece of media, I mean, I'm honestly... To, I've been so busy at work, um, but I will say that what brings me joy is uh, Abbott Academy. You've got to watch that show. Oh, Abbott um, Elementary? Abbott, oh, yeah. Abbott I'm, Elementary? I'm all up in it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, not yeah. in it at all. Please, please, it please is, uh, It is a sitcom about yeah, yeah. a school in Philadelphia. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's really funny. So it's basically yeah. like a... a I want to say a black school, even though it's not really black, but all the kids are black. No, it, it um, actually is. It is. Is it supposed? Well, yeah, but it's supposed yeah, to be like in the ghetto. Um, but um, it is uh, about a bunch of teachers. Uh, one teacher in particular who is like two, oh, is three years in. Oh, is this with uh, Quinta Brunson? Is yes. Brunson? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I've Amazing heard about this. Okay. Show. It yeah, is you gotta so, watch it. Yeah, yeah. And I think the last episode is where it really. That was the best stride. one. So it was. Far. It, you can tell when a show hits their stride. Yeah. There's oh, this right. this last that. one did, and if there's anything that's gonna spark joy, <laughs> especially as busy I've been, it's been Abbott Academy yeah. or Elementary for sure. I have to say about it too. Um, it's uh, it's 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 shot, you know, for lack of a better term, office style, right? Like yes. the office. Yes. Like, but, it's like multi cam just... mockumentary. Yes. Yeah. Well, but like... well, they say that in the beginning of the of the first episode, they right. they brought in a crew. And, I'm sorry, gag Marcus. Okay. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. That's all. I was, what I was going to say is like, you know, I, I love the office, but it's of it's it's definitely of its time, and I I think that uh, seeing this, first of all, the ensemble cast that they have, the cast is Amazing. just. Yeah. Killing it, like every. Yeah. It's not even any any of the main characters, like the the main teachers. That I think is like a weak spot. You know what I mean? Uh, like they're all they're all really doing it. Ava, the principal, is oh, yeah. uh, is consistent hilarious. Breakout yeah. star. Yeah. <laughs> but like, um, there there's a what was I gonna say? I I think it's also just just seeing like a bunch of a black folk in an office type doing show, it, it just makes it doing that much thing. more yeah. engaging huh. than office, office yeah. to me too. Yeah, that didn't I mean? exist, right? No, no. I mean, you had Daryl and you had a few people, you had Stanley, sure. but like, you know, you, you're getting like multiple perspectives that you weren't, that you weren't getting with the office. Huh. Right, you know? right. It's, it's, it's great. I highly recommend it. I'm sure they will All right, I'm gonna watch it, I'm gonna watch it, I'm gonna watch it. And also now that I mention it, like a show with, with um, multiple, 
you know, uh, black women leads that are all like, like very different, you know what I mean? And kind of, and it, you know, it, it just really, there, there's a spectrum, you know what I mean? Was there a seeing. black school staff show before this? Mm, well, Steve Harvey show. I mean, the, the, oh, that's the, true. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the wow. 90, yeah. That, that was back when he was cool. But like, <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> like, like Mr. Cooper was a teacher, right? <laughs> Mr. Yeah, Cooper. you were. Yeah, yes, but you, were, you weren't really in the. No, school, it though. wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, exactly yeah, that. Yeah. 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 Huh. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, there's a. I think yeah, but okay. the, no, it, it, that that's a good, that's a great one, Tone. That's that's one of the main things I spent. I'll I'll dive in. I'll dive in, y'all. All right. Yeah. You sold it. You yeah. sold it pretty well. And I, I have really hope that it. this this most recent episode, uh, like uh, Janine, the main character's uh, kind of deadbeat boyfriend. Uh, although he's like. He's like deadbeat in a clueless way. I don't think he, you know, it's it's not even malicious. I think he, he's just he, he legitimately is like just. He's but he's bad. He's a bad boyfriend. And he's an aspiring rapper. And uh, it's I, I really I'm hoping that someone has uh, collected his uh, his yeah, performance. Yeah, but it's also one of those things where he's not like a stereotypical rapper. No, like you not at all. You got into it thinking he yeah, would be yeah. like, "Yo, son." No, it's not. It's just so funny. <laughs> Is he a conscious rapper? No, not I, even. I can't no. even say he's... It's just... That'd no, be funny no, if no. he was. No, he's... You, you know how I would describe it? He's, he's a, just a guy. He's like, just a guy. He's just he's a not guy even, that wants yeah. to do a thing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, okay. Almost like, like, it's almost like he's a... He's like a... Um, uh, a, a black Chris Pratt. You know what I mean? On on, uh, on Parks and Recreation. Oh, my God. Who happens to rap. <laughs> That's how I would describe it. Wow. Okay. All right. But uh, yeah, yeah. Wow. I'm really curious after this conversation. <laughs> yeah, this is good. good. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Deborah and Chris, what 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 is it? Make, yeah. What is sparking joy or whatever piece time. of entertainment? Yeah. Like you, I've I've been so busy. I've been trying to get into Naomi, mm. just in a couple episodes, but it, it looks really promising. So I'm looking forward to getting back to that. And I'm looking forward to the, um, I heard Fast Color was gonna be made into, the film Fast Color um, it was going to be made into a television series. Um, oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm really looking forward uh, to, uh, to that because I think that's a, um, a beautiful, phenomenal uh, film and a, a different way to think about, you know, I mean, the, the character is not like a superhero or anything like that. She has, mm -hmm. you know, powers and it's an interesting, um, rural futurist type of narrative. So I'm I'm excited about what the television treatment is going to look like. So, am, am I the only one here who's watching Euphoria? No one here is watching Euphoria. Oh no, I'm watching. I watched Euphoria. the first season. Uh, yeah, okay. Okay. I, I didn't see last Sunday. I didn't I, see last Sunday's either because I've been crazy busy with these reviews. But yeah, okay, Euphoria is great too. I do really like Euphoria. Yeah, I'm gonna binge watch that this summer. <laughs> the second season of that. Looking forward to it. This, oh. se this season has been like heart stopping. Be prepared. Like, yeah, it's <laughs> like yeah. real. Grab some tissues. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's rough. <laughs> I, and I think that she's gonna win an award again. She has to. Yeah. I mean, her oh. performance is amazing. Yeah, she's, she's everybody. Everybody on that show is absurdly great. Although I read that shit about how um, what, uh, I don't want to misname. Is is it whoever plays Cat in it? It got kind of sidelined this season, and there's some whole complicated thing about that. Apparently, she had like some difficulty uh, with uh, with Levinson, which sucks. But no, it's amazing, man. Like the church scene, everything. Oh, that show's so good. Chris, what are you watching? <laughs> um, is it watching or any media? For anything? Any, no, any, what, any, whatever any, you're any, drinking, books, whatever you're, comics, whatever. whatever you're guzzling. 
Um, I, I started uh, a couple of years ago. I started collecting vinyl again. Um, oh, cool. So uh, oh, I, 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 I try to do a lot of like hard to find out of print stuff, not just because it's hard, hard to find out of print, but I've been on a, uh, a seal kick lately. Uh, seal, mm. the artist. Yeah, yeah first, of course. His first wow. two albums, they're, they're self-named. So it's seal and seal. Yeah. But the first two albums are like almost perfect. So um, I've been, and I just got the first one in, and I'm about to order the second one. is ridiculously expensive, so I'm debating if I want to buy it. But mm. I bought the first one uh, on wax, and I'm really enjoying uh, listening to some old school seal. Mm. So that is expensive. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. I, I was need a, I need my collecting table. vinyl because I started doing that like six years ago. I got into that, and I was like, mm. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I will tell it. you that I've been blessed with the fact that as my dad has moved from state to state or whatever, he has given me all his old salsa vinyl, mm. um, like wow. big band type of like crazy sounding music. And I'm like, wow, I'm so blessed right now because yeah. you know, a lot of that music is recorded in studio and it just yeah. sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I have boxes of vinyl back in the Bronx. I have a little bit here, but not a lot. Uh, but if you have vinyl, like, Vinyl and taste, we don't got to get all like geezery about it, but I mean, it's, it's weird. So when you're listening, when you're listening to a record, cause you're listening to a record, you were listening to a record. I don't know if that makes any sense, Yep. but yeah. it's yeah. just true. It's just, you're, it's a thing hey, you're doing. I don't get it. <laughs> well, it's like, it's like when you, when you have like an MP3 on or when you're like listening to like a playlist, like you listen, to whatever you're in and out, you're sort of doing a few other things, you're playing with mm -hmm. it, you'll stop it, you'll start it. But there's more something... immersive, right? Yeah, like I mean, you can of course like just put it on and like go. I don't know, like like chop vegetables, of course. But um, like, there's something about like sinking into a thing like that, into the mm -hmm. texture of something like that, and focusing on it, uh, which is something that like I feel like music has become like ancillary is the right word. It's like uh, it's like I don't know. Uh, it's like music. I, I feel increasingly in a lot of ways has become somewhat of a condiment to like our experience. It's something we listen to while we're like off doing another thing or distracting us from something or multitasking or whatever. And there's something like meaningful to be said about um, putting a record on and, and sitting. Yeah. Drinking. Yeah, you know, they're made as well anymore though. Like when I buy the newer ones, like I've bought a couple that were like warped, but then like when you go to the record when you get store the heavyweight and you get the older ones, yes, yes, what are they are like hundred gram or something? Played, like the quality is better. Yeah. You're not wrong. You're not wrong, and they also and they withstand wear better. Like right. like over like many plays, like they don't quite get so so uh, so messed up. I know. Like what people don't talk about that, but it's true. It's true. There is something. Yeah, there's something about. I just I just have memories of just like you know being a kid and, and like my parents' record player and just yeah like it it just it seemed magical you know and yeah. then you know there was the age over and over yeah yeah and then there's the age when you were like you know, allowed to like to touch the record player you know what I mean like, <laughs> that, that was pretty magical milestone yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's like, I was absolutely forbidden to touch anything <laughs> that had to do with musical stuff for my dad yeah you know absolutely. now that I think about I don't know if I was allowed to so much as maybe I just did but, I had uh, I had a little like I look I was I'm I am not old enough to have had this it was like a hand-me-down or maybe we got it at a garage or something but I had a a Mr. Cotter like plug-in record player like a really shitty one yeah with its own yeah. speakers you know what i'm saying like and it had a thing on the back with like what the like sweat hogs or whatever it, it was a whole 
I didn't know what Mr. Connor was. I didn't really grow up with Mr. That Connor. is awesome. <laughs> like, I had a Mr. Connor record player, and, like, that I could, like, get whatever right. minimal yeah. records I had. I could play with it on that. Yeah, they, I got a little record player. That, so they were like, don't touch mine. Here's yours. Yeah. And they ended up getting me. I had three albums that I remember. I had, like, some Disney Club album. I had a Fat Albert, like, song album. Mm -hmm. And then someone got me this, like, Spider-Man album where they read the comic and I oh, had yeah, the comic. I, in the I loved that. I, I loved mean, that those. was the most amazing thing. Hell's I had the Return of the Jedi one. That, Star, that was I had amazing. Every Star yeah, Wars one, yeah. and it was yeah. like when when you hear the R two D two sound, turn the page. Yep. And it was yes. The sound. <laughs> yeah, I had those. those for Spider-Man, it was like when you hear like the thwip, like then you had to yeah. turn. <laughs> so great. Yeah. yeah, we all sound like we're 98 years old. <laughs> so just so yeah. you all know, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they were amazing. You know, the, the only other thought about like about music is um, I just remember uh, the the record. Well, Deborah, you mentioned a record store, but like you know, back when record stores were really popping, like it was like going to the comic book store. There was like yeah. the record release day, which sure. is, you know, yeah. similar to like the comic release day. And, and you know, they would get to know you at the record store and like what type of stuff yeah. you like. So like, that, like that's an experience. Yeah, I miss those. I no, really miss those. I'll never yeah. forget yeah. when uh, the first place that this was in Queens, um, that I, there was a place in Queens, but I know that like, this started becoming a thing and eventually came to Borders, but there was a place called The Wall, where The mm. Wall was a music store where you could listen to the CDs first. They would open them up oh, and yeah. put you in a station. You'd be like, I want to hear this record. And you could stand there with headphones and just listen to it for as long I as you wanted. Like, yeah, yeah. I, remember, that was, I feel like I remember that. Yeah. That was huge when I was mm -hmm. younger. And I would spend hours just meticulously picking the perfect thing to buy. You know, and be like, all right, listen, no, I need something else now. I need something else. The guy's just like, great. Yeah, I work. I worked at a record store for five years. That's how I helped put myself through college. Oh, right on. Was it? Was it? And the, one? the second year I worked there is when jealous. we started selling CDs. That tells you how old I am. I started working there in the eighties, late eighties. So warehouse records, yeah. I was, warehouse, yeah, like spelled W A R. That was a fun job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, I wasn't, but most of the folks I, I worked with were musicians like trying to make it and you know some of us were you know college kids and stuff but uh mostly were musicians and bands i would have loved to work at a that's freaking awesome it was fun yeah i never had that experience no, <laughs> spent plenty of time i might as well have worked in a record store but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> oh man um, all right, did we get we got everybody's? i think we got everybody there's no, no and more questions me, me me real real quick uh, oh yeah I, yeah Oh yeah. I, uh, I had one day this week. I, I I had to to come. You know, I've been like burning the candle at both ends. Like you know, working during the day and then coming home and doing doing illustrations. Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's like you never do that, but now you're doing it. Like just to kind of no. experience what that's like. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's a change of pace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah sure. No, no. But I, I I hit a wall. I think it was. I don't know if it was like. Tuesday or Wednesday, I came home and I was like, I'm not doing the damn thing. <laughs> and I just, I, I was like, I was like, I'm going to lay on the couch and I'm going to read something. And I was like, I have my stuff that I've been reading that I'm in progress. And I was like, I'm going to pick up something, something, something else that I haven't been reading recently. And I had a pile, I think I told you guys, I, I got a pile of um, Blood Syndicate comics. Ooh. Oh, that's right. And they, yeah. yes, yes. Because I was trying, I went on yes. eBay and I was like, let me try to fill in some of the holes in my collection. That's awesome. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, so I just I just sounded comic, just I read like a bunch of blood. That's never been effectively collected, right? 
Has it no. ever been collected? No. No, no, no. no. It's As, never even got a single collection. Even when they did, yeah, even when they did the milestone collections that they, they have never done, got they didn't syndicated. get to it. Yeah, nice. like, it, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it's just, it's really, really cool to revisit. Um, they were tackling Very stuff common. that just, yeah, like, you know, even, like, today would, would feel new, you know, and, um, and, so, and, you know, Dwayne McDuffie and, you know, Yvonne Velez is just, uh, it's... it's no, and the group dynamics for that book were, like, some of the best of, like, any group book. Like, yeah, just, like, how absolutely. they interacted, like, 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 the beef that they, that some of them have with each other, you know, like, yep. all the, all the friction... Oh man, I that's a good idea, man. I need to dig in. I need to dig into some yeah. of that. Yeah. Okay. And also, I mean, like shout out to the new the new milestone run. It's it's been I've just I've I've enjoyed just just all of it so far. And I I did see something somewhere on Twitter that I that Blood Syndicate is going to happen. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure. No, I, I saw mean, the same thing. I saw the yeah. same thing. The yeah. fr the freaking am I not mistaken the like the Milestone Reborn comic. I mean, I feel like there's hints of it. There's like I feel like through there's been little hints that something's. Going oh, are you talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that first one that came yeah. out like the zero issue. Yeah, it, did. it, it seemed did. to be yeah. like it's coming. Like you know, like keep an eye out. It, you know, it definitely gestured <sighs> toward it, but I think yeah. they've more affirmatively like said that it's coming. So, cool. but I've just been I've been loving it. Like uh, I love that. Like it's not. I mean, obviously, it was Icon and Rocket back in the day, but I love that it's just straight up called Icon and Rocket. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. um, that they're really exploring that and they, they they explored the dynamic between the two like really thoroughly back then but i i think i'm i, I like what they're doing and, and and hardware just it's hardware you know and and, and you still got um you, you you the the artwork is uh oh god um who's artist hardware you know you know what i'm talking about dennis cowan uh dennis cowan dennis yeah. cowan yeah he's, he's back again too so it just feels like I think that's the only series where, like, the original artist... Has to uh, be. Has to back. be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it has to be. So it's just really cool. But, but yeah, Milestone. Read, read Milestone, everybody. Read old Milestone. Read, read new, new Milestone. Very on brand. It's good. Yeah. 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 Right and, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Oh, let's say we have a little bit more chat. Yeah. Oh, Namalki's up in the chat. Yep, 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 yep. Namalki's just been hanging back. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, Namaki mentions, yeah, this is also in the, fir in the first milestone book, you know, he loves how the yeah. reboot changed up the origins of the Big Bang, had the cops attack yes. the BLM march. Right, yeah, like, they, I mean, yeah, they, they put a yeah. point on that. Um, yeah, yeah. But, it, but it's good, right, it feels like, it feels like sufficiently contemporary, but it's still, like, a, on its own, on its own steez, you know, it's still, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, man. It's great, but um, but uh, Christopher, Deborah, it's been been so great having you. Um, you know, and I, I hope you both will 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 come back soon. And uh, yeah, I'll like, always come back. Yeah, <laughs> Deborah, okay. I, right. we will rope you back. It has been yeah an astronomical amount of time. Like we will, yeah. we are thrilled to have right. you, and we want to have you back soon. I mean, I want to know if your classes are are available virtually. That's I know. Cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> community class that anyone could have taken on uh, the black image of comic characters on screen mm. and uh how many students i think i ended up getting uh 10 students and they were all local to iowa but it was open to what? everyone but if mm. i do that again please um, yeah, let us know please, please let us know yeah yeah, yeah please do yeah. please do yeah yeah so so just real quick for for each of you i guess i guess 
what's next? I mean, Deborah, you've, you thought yeah, about some things you're working on. But, <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll ask you, where can people where can people find you online and your work? Oh, who, Chris or me? Uh, well, well, you, Deborah. Start number with you. Yeah. yeah, I'll start with you. Uh, well, my, sadly, my website is down, but uh, com will be up again soon. But I'm everywhere. Okay. I'm on Twitter. Did D-E-Whaley. the hackers get you? Is that what happened? Were you uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Another story. I'm, I'm, on Insta- <laughs> I'm on Instagram, same handle, D-E-W-H-A-L-E-Y. So, um, yeah, I, I'm still one of these people who have a Tumblr. <laughs> That's dope. I have one. I just haven't looked at it. I haven't looked at mine. I, right? I, I, do, yeah. I, do, I do have one. Yeah. yeah. I think I think I may still have a Tumblr's great. MySpace. Tumblr's yeah. still pretty good. <laughs> still have a MySpace. I'm sorry. Only for music. Leo and my music. Yeah, our hip-hop is still on MySpace, yes, believe yes. it or not. You can't Stop. play the tracks. It's all fucked up. You, they won't let you play them. But if they're yeah. there, you can hit play, but you can't hear them. Oh, my gosh. I know. Well, I... I should say, also, I have a public uh, black vegan blog. Okay. Because wow. I'm a, a foodie, and it's Afro Vegan in Iowa is oh, okay. the handle. Okay. So, um, posting right. basically about food, <laughs> vegan no. food. Uh, Recipe? So, like recipes? Yeah, lots of recipes, yeah. cooking tutorials. Um, oh, cool. Stuff I'm nothing, cooking, yeah. I'll check it out. I'll yeah, check right it right. As a as a as a person who continues to get older and his doctor's telling them you need to change your diet, <laughs> I'm <laughs> looking for a lot of things. <laughs> yes. yeah. Pretty soon your doctor's gonna be like, hey, have you heard of a Deborah Whaley? And you know, right? You should go with a plant-based diet. We know a person. Mm. All right, so, uh, Chris, uh, what's next for you and uh, where can people find you? Um I'm on Instagram. Facebook, Twitter, uh, it's uh, C Marlin, I think it's usually my handle. Uh, I know on Facebook there's maybe like me and another like 20-year-old black kid in, in South Florida, Christopher Marlin, when last <laughs> I checked. So uh, relatively easy to find uh, um, on three platforms. Um, what I'm pitching next, um, I, I want to do a kind of comic book miniseries and kind of going back to the black exploitation space. Um, and again, this, the bigger issue is like getting the license for these things. I want to do a mashup miniseries from, uh, you guys might remember a series, uh, kind of landmark as well. I think it was the first black hour-long drama on broadcast TV. It was a show called Get Christy Love. I don't know if you've yes. heard that. Yes. Oh, Name sounds familiar. I don't mm-hmm. remember it. Um, yeah, and it ran one season. Uh, did like a full, like, 22, and I think it ran in, like, 1974. So I think the predecessor, oh. there was a show called, like, Police Woman, with uh, mm. Angie Dickinson. That I heard that of. I heard I, of yes, 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 yeah, yes, that yes. I heard of. So Police Woman was Angie Dickinson, white woman cop. Get Christy Love was the black woman cop. Well, hour huh. long, you know, procedural. Mm. Um, and she had, and she, had uh, she even had like a, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like a, um, she had a catchphrase. It was like, um, you're under arrest, sugar. Something like that. But, you know, <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's so good. Love it. <laughs> I love it. A little on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> in a per- I want to do a comic book match mini miniseries of Get Christy Love meets Foxy Brown. That's what I want to do. Ah. Um, it's a, a story where they meet, they're on opposite sides of the law, then they ultimately join join forces to, to foil the bad guy. But the bigger issue is rights, because I believe MGM has the rights to Foxy Brown. Nice. I believe NC, N- NBC Universal has Get Christy Love. So huh. uh, we'll see. Yeah, and they're doing uh, so really much with both of them. Say what? <laughs> they're doing so much with both of them, right? Oh, they're just sitting on it. Almost. Christy loves on DVD because I, I have the 
get close oh, yeah. to the... Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's weird. They, they did a backdoor where it was a, a backdoor pilot where they did a movie, and then they did the series. So you probably It is the movie. movie I have, but I, did, yeah. I watched the series as a kid. Like, I was, I yeah. was alive. It's <laughs> really hard, uh, virtually impossible to find the series. You might, there's a few bootleg episodes on YouTube. Yeah, trying to find, like, the whole one. run. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, trying to, find, trying to find the whole 22 online is virtually impossible. I think it's on the Brown Sugar app. You, might, you guys might know about Bounce TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. They have an app called Brown Sugar. I think last time I checked, the whole series was on the app, but not on the network huh. uh, for Get Dristy Love. So, cool. again, I'm, uh, I'm doing my research and trying to get the rights on these things, but that might be the stumbling block. You know, it's how much, you know, is it going to cost to get those rights for two different IPs. So we'll see. Right. Wow. 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 So cool. She was on the cover of TV Guide, too. Yeah. Yeah. The, the lead actress, her name was Gloria. I'm drawing a blank. Uh, was it? I, but, uh, I thought it was Teresa Reeves. Teresa yeah, Reeves. I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm a black exploitation actress. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. And uh, and she, she passed away, I believe, like in the uh, 90s, I believe. Oh. Um, so yeah. So that will be my perfect next project, but we'll see. Hmm. I hope that I hope that works out because you got me just thinking about <laughs> about the the idea of um, just you know modern uh, creators being able to revisit some of these black exploitation properties with with what we know today. You know what hmm. I mean, and 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 also just like with what you can do with the comic book medium. I still like to see them placed in the time period, but I think that yeah. you can oh, yeah. fabulous afros. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, absolutely. It would definitely be another '70s story if I if I can, you know, ha- have my way with it. So, okay, cool, cool. Right on. Um, Tony, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me on Instagram and on Twitter, uh, Latin Negro. Um, you can find me uh, my website, AnthonyOtero.com, where you can find links to my two novels and the award-winning Puerto Rico Strong. Uh, right. It will always be award-winning. <laughs> Uh, you can what, still what buy kind of what kind of award? Eisner. Eisner. Okay, all right, all right. Just oh, that show. award. That award. Yes. That's award. the one it won. That's the one it won. Uh, <laughs> we need to mention that. So I wrote a little piece in that anthology, and uh, you can find it on on there. Uh, copies are still being sold and still benefit the folks uh, affected by Hurricane Maria. And uh, you can also find uh, my work as a part of the Manana Latinx um, anthology as well. Okay, cool. And uh, Leo, where can people find you? Yeah, Manana, that sounds familiar. I know that. Yeah, book. it does, doesn't it? Oh, I'm in that book. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not award-winning yet, but give it a little yes. time. It just came out. It, it will be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Give, it a little, give it a minute. Um, yep, I'm, uh, I have a story of Manana. Uh, and uh, you can find me at Leonardo EFF on Twitter. You can find me posting reviews and such at Screen Rant. Uh, you can find me, um, once again, I'm in the special thanks to episode three of Serial, which oh, we didn't even talk about today. So we got, we got to talk, yes. We're going to talk about it soon. Great Serial season. Uh, really good serial season. Um, and, uh, and yeah, you can find me along with the crew every weekend. We've been leaning to just Sundays lately on cartoons and serial where we watch old cartoons and clown around. And on Sundays, we always watch gem, which we're almost done with. We are getting almost, our way into gem almost season done with. three. Uh, it's been a crazy ride, but we've almost gotten through the entirety of the gem show. Uh, so yeah, come hang out with us. 
And you know what's bad when I can sing the entire song. Oh, I know. Gems intro. It's yeah, been. Yeah. I'm talking about. And I'm not talking about the first one. No, I'm about the both. Second one. Dude, both, both of them. It's both. just. Yeah. You know. Well, you I mean, mean bad, I'm in the, I'm in the ba- men's bathroom and people are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> like it's in my head. Show has some bangers in it overall. Yeah. Some, <laughs> show got some. Show got some. Some songs yeah. in it for real. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where can people find you, Marcus? Where are you up to? Aside from being um, on your couch, not working like usual. Just wow, doing you, you know me. Wow, that turn, really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, no, you can find me on Instagram at Marcus underscore Kwame uh, because uh, mm-hmm. someone done squatted on my name. You know, because okay. on uh, Twitter, Twitter, you can find me at Marcus Kwame. Mm-hmm. And uh, just you can find everything at MarcusKwame.com. And uh, yeah, it's still humble. And in the in the pages of both the Black Panther Party of Graphic yes. Novel History yes. and Snow Days with uh, one Leonardo Fe- Fireman. Fireman, right? mm-hmm. got it. And uh, got it. yes, as well as well as uh, as as Cash and Carry with Sean Pryor, um, under a an unnamed publisher, but you know uh, wh- whose name we won't speak, but. Mm-hmm. You may see more cash and carry at some point. So many if 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 the the fates decides <laughs> it's so. Layers, you know what I'm saying? To the subtext. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Saying too much. Anyway, <laughs> this has been great. I'm glad that I'm glad <laughs> great, to have had everybody. Great finale here. on that, Mark. Really? <laughs> that was <laughs> You really put some mustard on it. It was good. It's it been good. a long week, man. Been, oh, it has yeah. been a long week. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, before we go, can I say something really, really quick? Because I don't think I've sure. been on since this happened. Mm-hmm. Marcus did this amazing image of uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates, this beautiful oh. painting that um, ended up uh, being the cover for a special issue some friends and I did on the work of Ta-Nehisi Coates. And it's just, Jeez. it's gorgeous. It's, a, it's not just an image of Coates. It's, it's also an image of him as he interacts with all the world that he's been a part of, you know, Black Panther and his writing and ah, all of that. Cool. So, uh, I want to thank you publicly <laughs> Marcus, oh, for, for that. And uh, yeah. Did, yeah, when so. did when did you do? I mean, I thought you're usually on the couch. When did you, did you, <laughs> you stop for a sec to go do uh, something, and then we're like back to the couch? Told you, he's humble. He just yes, you know, yes. you know I, 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 I do a lot of things. Actually, wait, I, I do have one more thing. I'm sorry. Um, this this coming Tuesday, a short uh, four page comic that I did for Black History Month with um pop culture classroom will be published on their website. It's nice. a free download. So so yeah, and and the cool thing is they you know they're all about like combining comics and education. So um, they'll do the 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 comic, but then there'll also be like a teaching guide and other materials awesome. that and okay. anyone can download for free from the website. So I'll I'll, I'll put links out. Yeah, we'll uh, tweet it. We'll do all that. We'll do all that good yeah. stuff. Right on, Marcus. Anything else, Marcus? Anything? Uh, no, that, that, that's all. Oh, you're done. Oh, okay. Right <laughs> I think I'm finished. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I want to give a shout out to everyone in the chat. Uh, thank you, you guys. Uh, shout out to Namalki. Shout out to, to everybody. Yeah, we got sponsor um, in the show. Yeah, this is sponsor. Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. New faces, old faces. We'll yeah. be doing great. cartoons. It'll be great. Yep. Yes. Oh, and everybody, please, please pick up uh, the the Friday Foster book. I wanted. To, I didn't even get to say this during the discussion, Chris. We were. You know, we we had we had so many things we were jumping back and forward between but i'm only i've only read it in the pdf form but even in pdf it's it's beautiful it's just like a beautifully 
put together book. Um, a lot of information up front as far as like the introduction and the information about the the creators. So like it's and it's it's just uh, I'm definitely going to pick it up in in print because it's same. Uh, same. Yeah, same. Yeah. So so everybody I think check it's gonna it out. win an award. I, I hope it's so being put up for a lot of awards. Oh, yep, there it is. Oh, we, there you go. we submit to the Eisners, so we'll know, you know, in a couple yeah. months. Um, awesome. So yeah, please, it's guys, amazing. if you can pick it up, it's a great read. Again, you know, if you love great comic art, seventies, seeing black people have a good time. Probably <laughs> yes. <laughs> Checks all the boxes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Always be more and of that. It, yeah. And and last thing, read everything that that Deborah writes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes, please. You know, and Black Woman in Sequence. The article that we're all waiting on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, and Deborah, what's the title of the book from last year? Uh, Keywords for Comic Studies I did last year okay. with, a, with a couple colleagues. Um, and then, yeah, Black Woman in Sequence. Maybe, uh, hopefully, second edition coming. That's uh, oh, wow. yep. desired nice. for that to be rolling out. So we'll see. Okay, cool. All right, and you know, with that, I'm, I'm gonna bid everyone good night and uh, peace. Black comics chat.